0: You know, I think, I think there's something about just being reminded, especially if maybe you're going through something. Here's what I know that whether you're watching this online or you're in the room, I know that so many people are going through, we feel like we're, we're going through the fire, we're going through difficulty. And I think sometimes the greatest thing that we need reminded of is that God will be with us in the middle of it. Some of you maybe, maybe that's what God wanted to say to you today. And, man, I, I don't know why you're tuning in right now, but I just believe that it's not by accident. I believe that God has something for you. I don't believe if you're here today, it's by accident. And I want to look into the camera and say to every person that's watching this online, it's not by accident that you're tuned into this right now. And I just want to welcome every person that is here for the first time I want to welcome every person that's watching this. Maybe you're going to watch us some other time, maybe two years from now when it's recorded on YouTube, but God has something for you today. How many of you came today knowing that God has something for you? Come on, how many of you showed up with an expectant heart saying, God, I need something? Listen, you need to know in this church, we, we don't just gather like this because we have to. We gather like this because we need it. I don't know about you, but if there's anything this year has kind of highlighted, it's how much we need each other, how much we need God, and how much we need to worship and be in his presence and experience all that God can give us. And so, listen, doesn't matter how difficult a week you've had to this point, can I just tell you, you're in the right place right now, that God wants to get something through to you. God has something he wants to say to you, I believe. In the series that we've been in, for those of you that are newer, we've been talking about how this year has It feels like it's taken so much from us. We feel like there's so much of our control that we've lost and we're kind of deciding as people of faith to say, you know what, I'm not going to let the circumstance and the season dictate my attitude, my spirit, and my response. And so we're talking about the fact that I can choose. I can choose my spirit. I can choose to forgive. I might fail, but I can choose to get back up again. And I, I believe that God's got another one of those messages for us today and So let's open our hearts and say, God, what do you want to say to me? If you're you're joining us, whether it's in a living room or in this room, would you just bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Let's invite God to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity to gather, whether we're gathering in person, gathering online, but God, your church, your community, Lord, we are approaching you today saying, God, we need something even in this moment, what does it look like for you just to quiet your heart and say, God, I I need to hear from you. I need you to do something in my life today. Father, I pray for every person that right now needs a word from you. God, I pray I can get out of the way and that you could speak through me, that it is your spirit that God would speak to those that need to hear what you have to say. And so God, I'm asking you to use your spirit to really deliver your message to your people today. God, we're, we're so excited for what you're about to share. We have an expectant heart. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Come on, can we give them praise one more time? Amen, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. I'm glad to be in church today, how about you? Mm. Okay, all right, I get it, you're done clapping, you're done being all excited. Oh, the bands, I'll just sit and relax and chill. I need you to engage now, because God's got a word for you. God's got a message for you today. you got to have an expectant heart. God, what do you have for me today? I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like in the, the temperature of kind of our climate, our culture, the temperature, I'm not talking about the outside air temperature, I'm just talking about in our culture, is kind of starting to heat up. Have you noticed that? This whole year and now as we move into a political mess, I'm sorry, a political race. um, Sorry, that was just me projecting what it feels like. Okay, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure. A lot of people are thinking that this is going to determine the future and this is going to, something doesn't change. We feel a lot of pressure. I think there's something about pressure that we need to think about when When we're under pressure, when you're under pressure, can I ask this question? How do you respond? Are you the kind of person under pressure that like, you're the kind of person that rises to the challenge? When pressure comes, you're at your best. That's awesome if you're that person. Or are you the kind of person under pressure you crack? Under pressure, like you just like, you fall apart, you become a puddle. Which one are you? I think all of us at times have moments where maybe we can be strong and other times where we just crack under the pressure. Can I tell you about a moment when I, when I was a teenager that I cracked under the pressure? I was uh, visiting a friend of mine, I'd, after we'd moved to Germany, our family, this was when I was in high school, we came back for a visit, and uh, I got invited by one of my friends to go to a skate uh, competition, it was uh, skating, skateboard, okay, and uh, I was a little bit of a skater, I know, you're kind of maybe shocked looking at me, but, you know, I had a few tricks up my sleeve and with my feet and all that good stuff, and... And so um, I, I went to this uh, skate competition and uh, just to watch, and there were some amazing skaters. And uh, that turned into sh- staying around for an evening, and everybody just kind of hung out. It turned into kind of like a party. And uh, my, my friend, I was, only knew him. I didn't really know anybody else, but he knew a bunch of the other people, and, and all these skaters were just hanging out. And uh, if you're a skater, you know, only good things happen when skaters hang out. And so we were all hanging out together, and then a bunch of people started lighting up cigarettes. Yep, they started lighting up cigarettes. And I was with my friend I've known my entire life and been in church with, and I was kind of shocked in the moment where he leans over and he grabs a pack of cigarettes and he lights one up. And so I want you to imagine this, okay, here I am uh, amongst all these skaters, and everybody is smoking cigarettes but me. And my friend looks at me in that moment, takes a pack, I don't know what it was, Marlboro's or Camel's, or I don't even know what people like to smoke these days. And, and, and he looked at me and he was like, here, you want one? I don't know what to do in that moment, because, you know, I—, I it, one part of me was like, I don't smoke, like, that's bad for your health, and, you know, there's the surgeon warning label on the packs of cigarettes that basically say, if you smoke, your parents are gonna kill you. And so I knew that, and... um And but but I was under such pressure, and I wanted to fit in so bad. And let me just tell you what I did: I grabbed one of the cigarettes, I stuck it in my mouth, and I'd watched enough TV shows to know what to do at this moment. And so they went to light it, and I'm you know I'm like, and I'm doing this thing that I think you do to kind of get it lit. Some of you professionals you may know, but I didn't know at the time. And so and we we lit this. I lit this cigarette, and so here I am. looking all bad, you know. I got this cigarette in my hand. I think three-fourths of it burned while it was in my hand rather than in my mouth. And uh, just so you know, because some of you are like, I can't believe that you, pastor, I wasn't a pastor then, okay, chill out, smoked, uh, not just one, but I think I smoked three cigarettes that night. Um, and, and I, uh, but here's what I need you to know, uh, just like our former president, I didn't inhale any of it. So I want you to know that. Uh, I was smart enough to know you blow it out the other side because I would have died inside. Now, I remember driving home. I had a friend that was driving home, and, uh, and I thought to myself, uh, why does it smell in the car so weird, you know? And that's when it dawned on me, I'm going to be a dead man if my parents find out. So I got home, and I changed my clothes real fast, and uh, I, I went back all my day, my life, and uh, I didn't smoke again after that. I'm so thankful for that. But I'm thinking, what was it in that moment that, that caused me to go against something that I, I felt deep inside, I knew in that place was wrong for me? Now, some of you are thinking, oh, oh okay, because I've heard, I've heard someone ask this before. Like, does smoking cigarettes, is, is it a sin? Does it send you to hell? My my response would be, I'm not sure that it's a sin and I really don't think smoking cigarettes will send you to hell. It just makes you smell like you've been there. That's, that's an old preacher joke. (laughs) But I caved to the pressure. Have you ever caved to the pressure? Have you ever been in a pressure packed moment where you, I imagine that all of us could probably think back to moments or look back to situations in our life where maybe we have moment of regret because we caved to the pressure. Where in that moment, that situation, everybody else was doing it, so I better do it. You ever remember those moments where, where maybe you did some things we probably all think back to, like me, the first time I smoked a cigarette. Maybe, you, maybe some of you, you're, you're kinda thinking back to the first time you, you got drunk at a party. You went to this party and everybody was getting hammered and it looked like fun and you were the only one so you were like, well, give me that and so you were underage but you just drank it until you got hammered because that's what everybody else was doing. Or maybe some of you, it was like the first time you tried a drug. I'm not talking about an antibiotic that the doctor prescribed to you. I'm talking about another kind of drug and everybody else was doing it in that moment so you felt like the odd person out and didn't want to look and so you tried it or, or maybe it was the first time that you had sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend because everybody else in class is doing it and you don't want to be the only virgin. Or Maybe the moment when, when someone made fun of you because of what you wear and so because of that you just started to change your whole look because you just wanted to fit in. Can we all just understand that there's pressure all around us to fit in? There's a pressure to go with the flow. There's a pressure to get into the current. In fact, I, I wanna say this with our current culture, that there's an intense pressure to cave to the current of our culture rather than stand up for what you believe in. And let me just say this, um, I think all of us have felt it, but I just, I want parents to remember, it's never more intense than when you're in school. So, for every young person that's watching this, that's listening right now, that's high school, middle school, college, there is a pressure that I remember being so intense to be somebody that you're not on the inside, just so other people will like you, so you have friends, so you can fit in. And here's what I recognize that it's not just when you're in school, but all through our lives. If you're gonna be a Jesus person, now some of you watch, you might not be. Someone might have invited you. I'm not really sure what I believe. I'm glad you're here, but for those of us that are in this community that say I'm a Jesus follower, can I just tell you what life is going to be like? You should feel this tension. There's a tension because we live in a culture that, let's be honest, is looking a lot less like Jesus every day, and yet I have a desire in me to look more like Jesus every day. Don't you? I want to become more like him when I see him and the way he lived in his life and talked. I want to, that's what I want to model my life after. But can I just tell you, living in a godless culture like this, it's going to put some pressure on you. That at some point, you're going to have to make a decision as to what you stand for. I want to talk about that choice today. Because we feel it. We feel it. What, what are you going to stand for in your life? In fact, if you've got your Bible with you, I would love for you to open it up with me, or if you use an electronic device, that's fine. If you're watching this at home on your electronic device, you might need your paper Bible. I would love for, I think, I think there's something about actually engaging in the Bible. If you don't do it all week long, at least do it on Sunday. Let this be a moment where you read the words with me. I, I want us to, to go to the book of Daniel. It's found in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 3, that's where I'll be. I'll give you a, ch- a chance to, to find it, but... Let me give you a little bit of the backstory. story. I always think the story matters. Whether you've been around church or haven't been around church, you need the story. Daniel was a young Jewish man who at the time lived in a really uh, turbulent time in Israel. Because the nation of Babylon, this massive empire, had basically come in and conquered the Israelites for their land. And, and, and so the Babylonians came in and wiped out Jerusalem. And when they did that, here's what the king of Babylon did. Now, he was a little bit different than others. King Nebuchadnezzar, that was his name, he loved to take people from the lands that he would conquer. If he would, he would look for the brightest. He would look for the sharpest. He would look for the kind of young, impressionable, but maybe just intelligent and wealthy, affluent. And he would take, and he wouldn't kill them. He would take them captive back to Babylon. And then, when he would take them to Babylon, he would put them into his school. He he loved to do this. He was into diversity. And so, he would take and he would bring in these uh, different uh, people and he would train them for years. For years and years, he would train all of these people so they would think like him, they would know the language of Babylon, and then he would put them into his service. He loved the diversity. And so that's what happened with Daniel. Daniel was sharp. He was bright. He was, And so they spotted that, and they took Daniel and three of his friends. In fact, we're going to look at a story of his three friends. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know no one names their kids any of those names, before, but you will after you hear about them. And so in this, uh, these three and Daniel, they get kind of put into this classes, and, and, and they're kind of basically supposed to operate like Babylonians. And so they actually begin to work for the king and they, they move really up because they're, they're just well-respected. And, and so we find ourselves in Daniel chapter three, the king, he has this idea one day. He says, you know, I think I'd like to, I'd like to build a statue. You know, I mean, Michael Jordan has a statue and uh, Kobe certainly has a statue. LeBron, he might get a statue, we'll see. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to start anything, but... Uh, He wanted a statue. And so here's what he did. In Daniel chapter 3, it says that the king had built this golden image. Now, we're not told exactly what it was an image of. But the king had this golden image. My guess, based on the story and King Nebuchadnezzar, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a statue or an image of himself. He was a bit narcissistic. And so he builds this image, this 90 feet tall of pure gold. Imagine this, 90 foot tall, this gold image, massive. And he had it set up. Imagine everybody watching him just wheel this thing out, right? And he sets it up on this plane, and, and the king gives this order, this edict. He issues a statement about something with this image. And let, let me read to you what, what the king issued. Here's what he said in Daniel 3, verse 4. It says, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, the king has a herald, he proclaims this, Nations and peoples of every language, doesn't matter where you're from, what you believe, this is for everybody, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, does anybody wonder what a zither is? You have to look that one up. Lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and what? Everybody say that word, and Come on, say it, you can do it. Get, make sure everybody online can hear you. Does not fall down and, and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So imagine this, the king, he, he orders that when the band starts to play, as soon as you hear the music, that's your cue, every person, I don't care where you're from, I don't care if you are from, a Distant land, if you were born in Babylon, every single person, here's what he said, I want you to bow down and worship the image that I've set up. That's what he said. When you hear the music, why did he first start with music? Have you ever noticed, and this is what I believe, that music and worship are eternally linked? Some of you may have come to church and you wonder, you're like, Hey, maybe the first time you walked into church and you're like, why, why do you guys do this music stuff? Well, I've never even heard these songs. They're not on the radio. Why do you guys sing these songs? Why does everybody sing? It's because we've discovered that music and your worship are eternally linked. There's something about music. How many of you love music? Raise your hand if you love music. Okay, I have lot. found a lot of people that don't love music, but here, here's what I found. We need to recognize something, this, and that is that everything we worship has a soundtrack everything you worship you need to recognize this has a soundtrack there's some kind of cue to worship whatever it is that we can worship we can worship a lot of different things we might worship Jesus here But in our world, in our culture, there's so many different things that people are passionate about. I think sometimes we think worship is just singing songs to God. No, worship is when you give the best of your life to whatever it is, whatever you're pursuing, whatever you're most passionate about. And everything we worship has a soundtrack. Do you know that you can worship things in our culture? You can worship. You don't have to worship God. You can worship all kinds of things in life. People do it all the time. And in our world, there is a soundtrack for everything we worship. Now, you don't, you don't really believe me. You're kind of going, what do you mean there's a soundtrack? And I thought, L- let me, I wanted to kind of help you understand some of the things that we can worship. And so uh, I went ahead and just prepared uh, some, some friends to come out here. Can I get, can I get some help from uh, Pastor Trey and Tucker? Oh, I got some musicians who could help us out. Come on, put your hands together for them. Right. I think we got it. And, um. This was so not planned. Yeah, not planned at all. I'm just day day glad that time. this was ready and you guys were ready. Um, but I asked them, I said, hey, listen, a lot of people don't realize that music, that everything we worship has a soundtrack. And a lot of people don't even, like, what in the world could we worship? What are some of the things that we might worship rather than God in our culture? Where's the pressure? And, uh, and so I thought maybe you guys could just, could you play a soundtrack for maybe something that that we might tend to worship in our culture play something i want to be a billionaire so freaking bad come on thank we're you for the church, radio y'all. radio edit thank you Why don't look the lyrics the up things i've never had come on see it out be night. Nice. I prepare for when I'm a billionaire. Yeah, come on, give it up for them. Um, how many of you knew that song? Raise your hand. Okay, all right. You, you see, in our culture, we can have a tendency to worship money. I just want to be rich. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever thought that way? I just want to be successful. I want to have a lot of money. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with money But there is something wrong with when we worship money. What am I saying? I'm saying when money is everything, can I just just say real quick, you could be out there trying to work and earn more money, but the fact that you would make coming to God's house to worship on a Sunday like this a priority, you ought to give yourselves a hand because this is what it means to prioritize the first day of the week, I'm gonna worship God, but, but we can sometimes worship money and success. what's another what's another cultural god that we sometimes all right all right all right here we go what is this all right red solo cup i fill you up let's have a party have a party come on oh red solo cup red solo cup proceed to party proceed the party. Okay, okay, so I don't even want to ask how many of you knew that song. You're like, we use those cups all the time. What's so Not Nothing, but you all know what those cups really represent in the song, right? It's, it's about not just drinking, but let's have a party, right? It's And and the truth is sometimes we can find ourselves in our culture going, I wanna pursue and chase pleasure. I'm just gonna party. I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do regardless of who it affects and even how it affects me. And so I'm gonna drink and I'm gonna party and I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do. By the way, as soon as you graduate high school, if I got any high school students, the moment you go to college, if you go away to college, you're gonna feel a pressure to party, a pressure to do things that you wouldn't normally do why? Because that's a cultural God, and there's a soundtrack for it. What's another one? What's another one? Right, this one, we, we made our own little remix. All right, let's do it. I like a remix. That's good. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. Oh, <laughs> I can't even do that. All right, all right, that's enough of that one. They sound really good singing it though, don't they? I like the harmony by the way, that was hot. That was you know, sex is uh, sex can become a God. Where I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue sexual desire outside of the method or the plan that God has. Whenever we do that, we're elevating it above God. Instead of honoring what God says about sex, but when we pursue it outside the confines of marriage and the, what God created it for, can I tell you this? It becomes a God that we can worship. That's a, that's a cultural God. See, everything we worship has a soundtrack with it. Is there another one? Can you give me, Let's get another one. All right, how right, me see what's one. It's you're an angel, tell me. You're the first thing I knew I could believe was a worship song oh we're singing holy to god oh no that's not a worship song that's a song talking about how i am you as a person can i just tell you i've seen this over and over that relationships that the one you're dating this person can become a god I've seen this more often than I can imagine, where it's like, I, I have followed Jesus and Jesus is the one I love. Oh, she looks fine. Oh, you wanna go out? And the next thing you know, I haven't seen that person in about six months. Why do we do it? Because we prioritize that relationship over Jesus and it becomes a God. You see, You see, everything we worship has a soundtrack. And though these songs are funny and we're just, I just want you to recognize that there's so many different things that there's pressure in our culture to bow down and worship. Here's the cool thing. Just the same way that you can sing about funny things and those things. What's really cool is that you can also, just as you begin to focus on Jesus, you can... Music can also create an atmosphere of worship to the one who deserves it. What does it sound like if we were to give a soundtrack for worshiping God? Come on. And you turn it for good. Come oh, on. I think we know this you one. Turn it for good. Come on, do you know this you one? You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it.
1: To worship it right now
0: if you take what the enemy hatred it for good you turn it for good Come on, one Whoa. more time because you take what the enemy Your voice and worship God and He will show up every time. I see you again. I see it again. Come on that's some worship. That's the soundtrack I want to come out of my life, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. Amen. Can you give it up for my accompaniment right here? Thank you guys. Thank you, guys. Everything we worship, oh, I was moved in that moment. Isn't it amazing how how we can just be in a moment, and, and you're not even expecting it, but when you hear the soundtrack, it takes your heart somewhere. Because what you worship will determine who you follow. I'm not talking about on Sundays. I'm talking about the rest of the week. Because I found sometimes in the church that we get really good at coming in and singing the songs on Sunday. But then living a life of worship that's different every other day. I'm saying, who do you worship? What do you worship? Can I just tell you there is a pressure in our culture to worship all these other things we talked about. And what it's going to do is it's going to highlight what's really inside of you. That's what it does. Can I tell you something? You were created to worship. Do you know that the greatest thing that you can give to God is your worship? Did you know that? It's not not your money. Yeah, that's an act of worship. But can I tell you something? God created every bit of wealth that you and I have. Money does not move his heart, it's the sacrifice that moves God's heart as an act of worship. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can can I tell you, your job, your career, how much money you make, what kind of house you live in, none of those things move God. None of those things have the value that worship does in the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's the most important value in the uh, most important commodity in heaven. Do you know why? It's because it's the only thing that you have that God wants. It's the only thing that you can choose to give God. If you were here week one, we talked about it. God does not require, he does not force us to, but it's the one thing that we can choose to worship God. That's why what and who you worship matters so much to God. Do you know that there is a battle for your worship going on? Do you know that we're in a battle? A battle we don't see, but a battle for what we worship? We're in a battle all the time. You have an enemy, an adversary, the devil, you know what he wants? To, he wants to take you and he wants to, Convince you to bow and worship something other than Jesus. Jesus was in a battle for his worship, you know, before he started his ministry. Jesus got alone with his father in the wilderness and to prepare, and the devil showed up in that moment. And one of the things that the devil tempted him with, I need you to hear this, because don't, we don't realize it. A lot of times we never even realize how important this is to God. But in Luke chapter 4, it says that the devil took Jesus, took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. He showed him all these different kingdoms, maybe even past, present, and future. I don't know, but he showed him all these kingdoms and he said, I will give you the glory of all these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give anyone I please. He said, I will give it all to you if you will do what? Everybody say it out loud. If you will If you will worship, it's the same thing that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are dealing with. If you will bow down before me, this is what the devil told Jesus, I will give you all of this. And here was Jesus' reply in verse 8. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. You need to recognize there's a battle for your worship. It's not just on Sunday. By the way, have you ever wondered why sometimes it's really hard to get to church on Sunday? Have you ever wondered why sometimes your kids lose their mind in the morning when you're trying to get to church on Sunday? Have you ever woken up and not felt good on Sunday morning and thought, man, I'd just rather stay home today rather than engage? Can I tell you? It's because there's a battle for your worship because the enemy wants to stop you from stepping into an atmosphere where you're going to start to begin to lift the soundtrack of your life and say, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to put my mind on him. Can I ask you a question today? What's the soundtrack of your life sound like right now? What's the soundtrack of your life sound like? What is the thing you're passionately pursuing? Because here's what you're going to find. If you're a Jesus follower, you're going to live in a time. We're living in a time where there's immense pressure to determine what and who we follow. And just like these three Jewish men, just these, uh, there was a pressure to bow rather than stand up for what they believe in. Listen to me. You're going to face pressures to bow in our culture, rather than stand up for what you believe in. If you don't believe me, you just live life long enough, you will. Represent Jesus at work, you will. Rep, rep Jesus at school, you will. And so these three Jewish men, I want you to picture this. I, I love the picture of the scene. The music starts. And the moment the soundtrack started, everybody bows on their knees, but these three. Can you imagine how much they stood out? amongst everybody else. Everybody's on their knees but these three because of the edict to do this. And so as they're standing, all the rest of the leaders and all the rest of King Nebuchadnezzar's, uh, his leaders, and his, they, they see them and they didn't like them anyways because they were Jews and they thought they had no business doing this because they were from Babylon. So you know what they did? They went to the king and they said, hey, there are three young Jewish men, Israelites, that refuse to bow to your image of gold. They went and told on him. And in that moment, here's what the king did. The king brought the three before him. And he said, all right, guys, you got one more chance. I'm going to cue the band. And the moment they start playing, you can get on your knees and worship this image. Or you can be thrown into a furnace. That's your option. And I love their response in this moment. Can I read this to you? Verse 16. Daniel 3, verse 16, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Can you imagine the boldness, the veracity? uh, We don't need to defend ourselves. Look at verse 17 if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Man, I love what they said. Can we not just agree that that is faith, that is courage, that is boldness to stand in the face where you're told you either bow or you die. You know know what's crazy is we live right now in America and we don't have that kind of pressure, but there are people around the world today that still deal with it. We should be so thankful and grateful that we live in a country where we have the freedom, that we can bow and worship the only God that we believe in, that's Jesus. We, can, we have that freedom, but that's not true around the world. And in this moment, they declare something. If we are thrown into the furnace, if, if, everybody say if, if. Do you know what I've discovered about life? Life is full of if moments. These are the kind of moments you didn't see coming. These are the kind of moments that if something doesn't change, something bad's really bad's gonna happen to you. These are the moments of uncertainty. I know all of us experience them. I know we do. We all experience if moments. What if the doctor comes back and says, I do have it? What if they're talking about layoffs at work because of the virus and how it's cut back our sales? What if I'm the one cut? How are we gonna make it? What if? Life is what what if he does leave? What what our marriage hasn't been great and he's been talking about walking out or she's been talking about I don't know that I want to what if they do leave? What if? What if my son keeps going in this direction? I'm worried for his future. What if? What if they make fun of me at school if I actually do kind of just show that I really, I'm against this? What if? What if I do stand up for what I believe at work and and everybody shuns me? And what if everybody, now I'm not gonna get a promotion. What if? Here's what I know. I know many of you, you're dealing with an if moment right now. We're all going through different situations that are uncertain. Can I just tell you something? In every uncertain moment, you have a choice. You may not get to choose the situation, but you have a choice to make in the situation. That's what we've been talking about. This whole year, I didn't choose this. I didn't choose the virus. I didn't choose the situation that we're in. None of us chose this, but how we respond, that's our choice. And the question I want to ask is, how are you responding? How do you respond to pressure? How do you respond to these if moments? Because I think we have a choice in And the most clear choice that we often have is I'm gonna respond out of fear or I'm gonna respond out of faith. You see, I think it's easy to say you have faith when life is good. It's really hard to live out your faith when you have an if moment. Like if this doesn't change, we're in trouble. If we don't find a job, we aren't gonna keep this house. It's real easy to say. I, I think for some of us, faith is a belief system. Well, I believe in this God, and I believe in this Jesus, or I don't believe in this God. It's a, no, it's deeper than that. Faith should inform your choice. And a lot of, t- of us might be caving out of fear. When I grabbed that cigarette, I responded out of fear, not faith in that moment. I thought, if I don't smoke, they won't like me. If I don't do what everybody else is doing, they won't accept me. That was fear speaking. Fear, by the way, is always leans towards self-preservation, in this moment, you got three guys who are standing up and they're holding their ground. I refuse to bow. Fear would say, okay, get on your knees and pretend, but don't really worship the image. How many of you know that's what you would do? Like, so I'm getting down and I'm just going to pretend, but I really worship you, God. I don't worship. That's, that's fear. Faith is when you respond saying, even in my if." God is able. Did you pick that up? Because that's what they said. Verse 17, they said, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, we want you to know that our God is able to deliver us. See, faith, real faith, says in my if moments, God is. I know I got an if moment, but God is. Listen, if I do have cancer, here's what I know: God is able to heal me of this cancer. That's faith speaking in that moment. If, if, if I if they are talking layoffs, then I know that God is able to protect my job. I know that God is able to do that. If I do go through a difficult situation, I know that God is able. How many of you have the kind of faith where even in the midst of your if situation that you're thinking to yourself, but I know that God is able. I know that God can answer prayers. I know that God still does miracles. See, faith shouldn't just be a box you check to say this is my religious belief system. Faith faith should be in my if moments, I believe God is able. I believe that God can answer prayers. I believe that God can still move mountains. I believe that he can. But here's what you need to understand about this. That's only one side of real faith. I know we think that's, that's it, that's it. It's not, that's only one side of faith. Because what they said in verse 18, because you got to put them all together, that's the full picture of faith. Because they said, if we are thrown into the furnace, we know that God is able to rescue us. But then in verse 18, look at what they said but even if he does not. Can we all just say that phrase together out loud? But even if he does not, say it with me one more time. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. This is bold, this is dangerous. And oh, by the way, this is real faith. Some of you need to hear this because what you have, just to be honest, because there's a lot of us that grow up with a Sunday school faith. Do you know what I mean by a Sunday school faith? I'm th- like we were told when we're young that if you have a prayer request that God is able to answer because I believe that. And so we just say, oh, well, then God, and that's why I think there's something that Jesus says about childlike faith. It's that faith that just says, I'm bold enough to believe that God is able to change my situation. That's great, but then you're gonna grow up and then you're going to walk through some situations where you're praying, dear God, would you step in and do something? We have a deadline. And then he doesn't. Maybe no one's ever told you this part of faith. But real faith, this is, this is, we're talking about real faith. If we're thrown into the furnace, I know God is able to rescue us But even if he does not do what I want, even if I don't get the outcome that I desire, can I just tell you, I'm not gonna bow down to anyone but him. I'm not gonna believe in anyone but him because I believe that God is so good that even with my death, God would still do something good in my situation. It might not look like it for me. This is real faith, guys. Maybe you didn't wanna hear about this, but this this is what faith looks like. Can I I give you this truth today? Real faith is not based on God's ability, but His sovereignty. Maybe you need to write that down and you're going to need to pray about that this week. Real faith is not based on God's ability. I know you can. I understand that. But His sovereignty. Yeah, but what if He decides not to? What if it is cancer? What if it is? Here's real faith What if I have cancer? Well, then I know that God is able to heal me of it. But even if He does not, I still trust Him. You gotta have the whole thing. What if there's layoffs? Well, I know God is able to protect my job. But even if He does not, I know that God is my provider and He will bring provision from someplace. What if we lose our house? Well, I know God is able to, to change our situation, but even if he doesn't, God is my shelter. And he said that I will never leave you and I will make sure. He said, listen, I will provide the most basic things if you will put him first. This is about worship, guys. It's about worship. I think the first time I got to see real faith up close and personal, I remember it was 20 some years ago. I was in church, and it wasn't our church. This church didn't exist then. And there was this woman in our church. She was probably in her early 40s, and uh, she had cancer. And we were in a smaller church, probably about 150 people or so, and so everybody kind of knew. And, and we gathered to pray for her numerous times. And uh, she went into chemo and all of these things. And uh, it seemed like God wasn't going to heal her. And we believed. We just believed God was going to heal her. And i never forget this one particular Sunday. She asked if she could share something. And um, this, this, this woman, she shared her testimony. Here she was at the end of this battle. I mean, she had a daughter. And um, unless God did a last-minute miracle, she was not going to survive cancer. And I remember I just, I've never forgotten this moment because I think it, it did something in my soul about real faith. As I heard her just testify, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know this, God is good. And she said, I know God's gonna heal me. He might heal me in this life or he might heal me for eternity, but I know that God is good and he's gonna heal me one way or another. And then she sang this song. She sang this song that some of you have been around church, you've heard before. Oh, she could sing. She sang this song called, It Is Well, With My Soul. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. Why? Because we were looking at real faith. Someone who had the courage in the middle of the fire To say, I know God could get me out of this, and I know he could, but even if he does not, I still will worship him and him alone. He is still good to me. He's still loving to me, even if. I don't know what kind of faith you have. I was challenged by this. Because it might not be cancer, but it might be pressure in this culture. It might be pressure at school. Are you going to bow and cave or stand tall, regardless of the consequences? See, the the king, he got furious at this moment. So defiant. He got mad. He had them tied up, the three. And he was so angry, he said, turn the heat up on the fire. And uh, so they must have thrown all kinds of wood in there. And he said, I want it seven times hotter. I didn't know fire could get seven times hotter. And this is the job you didn't want, the guards who had to wrestle them and throw them into the furnace because I don't know if they just walked right in or if they something inside of me would have been, you would have had to pull me, drag me to it. And it says that it was so hot that when they threw them in that the guards who had the job of throwing them in were so overwhelmed by the heat and the flames that they died. That's how hot it was. Tossed into the fire. But what happened next? I know some of you know this, but it's not what anyone expected. That's why it says in verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied? I could have sworn it was three of them. And we threw into the fire. And they replied, certainly your majesty. And he said, but look, I see how many men. I see... I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. I thought it was three. Why are there four? I thought you guys tied them up. Why are they unbound? Why do they look like they're unharmed? Why do they look like they're walking around in the fire? Because guess what? God did show up in that moment. And I believe it was Jesus that met them in that moment. I would love to have been in that moment to see the king going, that fourth one looks like the son of a, he looks like that. He don't look normal. I love this because some of y'all thought Jesus didn't show up until hundreds of years later. You didn't realize Jesus made a cameo right here in the Old Testament. He decided, I'll show up in this moment, and what I came to say is, in your situation, I don't know what fire, I don't know what battle, I don't know what pressure, and you're thinking, God, get me out of this. God, changes. Can I just say this? What if God doesn't want to keep us from the fire? But what if he wants to show us who he is in the fire? What if God isn't going to keep the church from dealing with the pressures of this culture? But what if as the fire gets turned up? Can I just tell you we better expect as the church in this day that the heat is going to be turned up because the devil doesn't like it that we continue to highlight Jesus in a culture that is going the other direction. But let me tell you something. As we highlight Jesus, as we proclaim who Jesus is, because we show, he's going to show Show up in those moments. He might not keep us from the fire, but let me tell you something. He's gonna show up with you in it. How many of you believe that today? Come on, you believe that today? Stand up on your feet if you do. Stand up on your feet if you believe that today because I I just sense that I don't know what situations are represented here, but I just believe that God wanted to somehow just meet with us and remind us that I'm gonna walk with you. I'll walk with you. You're in the storm, I'll come walking out to you. You're thrown into the fire, I'll show up with you. And it might hurt. It might burn a little bit. But I promise you this, I will be with you in it. Because faith is a choice. Some of you thought faith was a feeling. I just, I don't know why, sometimes I don't feel it. Faith isn't a feeling, it's a choice. And I wonder if there's some of you here today, some of you watching maybe it's time to make a choice and choose faith, to choose Him. He's the only one worthy of our worship. Come on, let's pray right now. Father, I just, I, I really sense, God, that there's, there's someone right now that needs to respond to you by faith. I believe there's someone right now that, God, you are pressing upon their heart. Some of you that are right now in this moment that God is leaning into you. That's his presence, his spirit. He's showing up right now. Faith is a choice. And the first choice that we can make is to say yes to Jesus. Can I ask you, when did you say yes to Jesus? I'm not talking about there was a time when I was little or there was a time when someone said, if you don't wanna go to hell, pray this prayer. That's not what I'm talking, I'm not talking about that. I'm asking, when was there a time where you said Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior and no other. I'm not going to pursue all these other things, but I'm going to follow you. If that's you today and you're saying, I want to make that decision today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus for me. I believe that he died for me. He rose again to give me new life. Right now in this moment, I just, I confess I'm a sinner. I need you. With the faith that I have, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Listen, maybe was we just we're still in just this moment of prayer. I don't know who this message specifically was for today, but I know this. some of you, some of you are facing great pressure right now. Listen, just, would you just in this moment of, of worship, if you're facing, a situation, a hardship, and great pressure, would you just be bold enough to lift your hand up and hold it up right now? If you're under, you're under pressure, you feel it, would you just hold your hand up? You're facing something, it's hands everywhere. I wanna pray, and as I pray, I just believe that God wants to reveal himself to you. If you're bold enough to say, that's me, I'm going through something, I'm in the middle of something, I'm facing something, God wants to reveal himself to you today. God wants to show up in your life today. Father, I pray right now for every single person, God, that's in this moment of saying, I I don't know what to do, but I pray, God, a boldness of faith. I pray, God, a boldness of faith and courage to come over them. Father, I pray that you would just, Lord, every battle that is represented here, that, God, you would show up, that, God, you would give a measure of courage that you would give a measure, God, of your presence, that God, even in the storm and even in the fire, that, God, we would know that we can face anything because you are with us. You're with us. Come on, he's there. He's with you. He's with you. Come on, let's lift our hands to him today.